Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We have a really fun episode for you today. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. We're back after one week off. We did a Mercado Radio last week because, um, uh, you know, we're sort of retransitioning into our uh, school year way of recording yeah, this into podcast, our new which schedules. is that, yeah, we're, we're separate, we're separated. Oh, it makes it sound like a couple, but no, we're, <laughs> we're not separated. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're physically distant from each other and emotionally too. This is that time of year when I think everybody kind of starts something new. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's, you're going back to school. I feel like there's a lot of transition happening. I don't know what it is about this month, but September seems to be an especially busy and crazy month. So yeah, it's, it's right. nice to kind of have, it'll be really nice going forward in this fall to have have this kind of weekly time to come together and uh, not just for you guys as listeners but for will and myself you know to dedicate time each week to talk about something we love it's 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 really you know it's it's a treat that we have this yeah absolutely um you know and i think it's cool that we've been able to continue this podcast the way we have the last few years doing Mm -hmm. so much of it remotely and it always is such a treat every summer to get to record together for sure um but yeah i'm i'm really excited to sort of get back into the swing of things here and i think we have a wonderful episode topic today to sort of jump start this new year now i'm not gonna say too much hyperbole but i will say that uh when i told will that this was the topic he was like no we had to have done that before but no we've never done this topic before it's puzzle games today we're going to be playing some of the best video game music from puzzle games and yeah it still blows my mind that we've never done this topic before uh so yeah it's just it's going to be really interesting i think at the end of the episode we're all going to have a clear idea on what are some of the unique musical techniques that composers use for puzzle game music uh what you heard playing in was a wonderful game i'm a really big fan of that soundtrack it's for the genesis it's called puyo puyo tsu and it was composed by tsuyoshi matsushima and uh, that was Area A, which to me just feels like a classic piece of video game music. I've known and loved that soundtrack for years. So yeah, great way to kind of get in the right mood for today. Well, speaking of classic, we're we're really starting off with, to me, the iconic, the you know quintessential puzzle, puzzle game. video game. Absolutely. So we're going to start off with a theme that you might not initially think of from this behemoth game. This is Tetris, okay? We're going to play a track from the Game Boy version, which is probably the most famous soundtrack version. We're not going to play Music A. We've played that multiple times before. Uh, That would be the easy choice. We're going to play Music B, which we haven't yet played on the podcast, which is a really cool piece of music. Uh, This game was composed by Hirokazu Hiptanaka. Let's take a listen to Music B for Tetris for the Game Boy. Here we go.
wonderful stuff. So classic. You guys are listening to Music B for Tetris. This is the Game Boy version, which was worked on by Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. And there's a little bit of discrepancy here uh, as, as far as, like, was this modeled after a pre-existing piece of classical music? Uh, there's some people that think that it's like a it's some sort of variation on fur release but i don't really hear that personally um if it is it's like it's like a very very different version of that um but what's interesting is i listened to the nes version of tetris and that had really cool arrangements of completely different classical music like there's one from the nutcracker i believe so just all around really good arrangements uh for tetris what i think is so cool is what everyone thinks of as the Tetris main theme that A game B is based off of an old uh, Russian folk song. Right. But I think what's so cool is Tetris actually made it a more universal and famous uh, ubiquitous melody. Yeah, that's known around the world just because of its inclusion in that game. So I think everyone, you know, that what the Super Mario Brothers overworld theme is to, you know, platform games, that main Tetris theme, that's what it is to puzzle games. So, I mean, yeah. any of you guys that are fans of this genre and anyone that's ever played a video game will probably be familiar with that theme. So we have to give a shout out to that, but it's great to start with that. What's interesting about that theme is, uh, you know, you hear arrangements of it nowadays and there probably are a significant number of the population that don't know that that's actually an old Russian folk song. So, you know, let's say video games live, you know, on their last album, they did like Tetris opera. So this really lush kind of choral version of that theme. And for some people they might think, Oh, that's so novel. They're, they're making this video, but really it's like, I'm sure people have been using that theme maybe in other parts of the world for, for centuries. So it's, it's kind of yeah. cool how that comes full circle. All right, guys, now let's move on to a more modern game. This is a really brilliant puzzle game. Uh, this is Braid. Uh, this soundtrack featured licensed music from various different sources. And one of the composers' uh, music that was featured is Shira Kamen. This is, I think, the most pretty track from the game, in my opinion. You know, we've is... played this, I think, at least two other times on the podcast, but it's just such yeah. a great piece of music. And, you know, the topic today is puzzle games. So we, we want to just sort of do a showcase of not just the best game music, but the best puzzle game. So even so though we're going to replace played stuff, this yeah. track and, you know, we've talked about Braid, really, it's like that that to me in my mind is one of the most fantastic games in this genre so we have to play something from it let's take a listen to downstream from braid
So beautiful. You guys are listening to Downstream from Braid. This is composed by Shira Common, and I think this is a really awesome piece of music. It's very relaxing. It's definitely a folk piece of music. That's how I would categorize this as folk, instrumental folk music. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about, before we move into the composition, what are some things that you enjoy about the performance here? You know, I think both you and myself, we've heard a lot of violin players over the years. Some great, some not so great. This is a very kind of syrupy and lush and beautiful performance here. Kind of makes it sound easy. Well, it's it's definitely in the spirit of the kind of Gaelic uh, tradition more than anything. Mm. Celtic, you know, that kind of, I, I think of almost an an Irish sound to this, uh, to some degree. Especially with the use of the double stops, you know, getting that fifth harmony in there. Right. Well, and just, I mean, that's kind of the folksy sound in general. A lot of country fiddle uh, incorporates all those elements, which is is a really awesome uh, function to that instrument, and it works so well in video games. I mean, my favorite thing about this piece, though, just going more into the composition because right. the performance is exquisite and I love the ornamentations um, that this player adds. Uh, it, it just, it really feels natural and authentic to that style we were talking about. But I really just think this has such an incredible melody. And even though this is licensed music, it really sits well within the corpus of game music itself. You know, it, Braid to me is definitely a standout title like I'm always going to remember the first time I played that game and my experience going through it it's really artistic and it's just so powerful and this music really kind of this sticks in my mind as far as the use of this melody there's no doubt that this is the most famous use of this in the world like Anyone around the world, if you'd play them this, there's more people that will recognize this from Braid than will recognize this from whatever album Shira Common released, maybe like in the late 90s or whatever this was taken from. Like, it was pretty much this obscure piece of music that now Braid was a really popular game. And I think a lot of people around the world know this melody now. So licensed music is definitely a, a useful thing to do. It's Sometimes it's disappointing with me because like, when I found that out that this was licensed, I was like, oh, it's too bad this wasn't composed for this game, but it's still sure. great. Well, you know what I think is interesting is, you know, already we've only had two tracks on the playlist today, uh, but already we kind of noticed that similarity that, uh, well, I mean, I guess this uh, theme B uh, from Tetris was original, but just talking mm-hmm. about Tetris and Braid in general and their use of pre-existing music, but in both situations, um, creating a game and an experience that uh, transcends into culture more than the original uh, source material. Sure. And I think that's just as true with Downstream from Braid as it is uh, with that Russian folk tune from Tetris. And I I don't know if it's just a coincidence, these puzzle games, but there is something cool about the fact that video games can actually make all this incredible art have a type of platform that it didn't have before because i mean this music this is art music this is just gorgeous it's so good to me it's it's pretty undeniable from every aspect i mean the things that we talk about on this show 
you know, melody, rhythm, harmony, all those things. Uh, but just to the the casual listener, I think as well. Well, I'm really excited to to really change things up here, and we're going to move on to a game that was originally released for the arcade as well as the Neo Geo. This is Bust a Move. Uh, this saw release on multiple platforms, multiple entries in this Bust a Move series. Uh, I think it had a different name in Japan, but the North American name is Bust a Move, and it was composed by Kazuko Umino, and we're going to play a track called Let's Go to Pow Pow Island, and it's really the main theme of this game. It's so classic. For some reason, I think I've only heard this a few times in my life, but it feels like every bit as classic as you know game music that i grew up with so i think that's a sign of a really good piece of well, music that's always a good sign let's take a listen to let's go to pow pow island Incredible. That is the most Nintendo piece of non-Nintendo music I've ever heard. <laughs> this is Let's Go to Pow Pow Island, arcade version of Bust a Move, composed by Kazuko Umino. And what I think is so wonderful is, I think this melody is better than anything uh, in the new Super Mario Brothers series post the first game. Uh, this You could put this in a Mario game and it would be like, oh my gosh, this is great. It's, it's a wonderful track. I totally agree. I mean, I, I think that is funny talking about how Nintendo-y something is. And Mario-y, I guess, more specifically. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, we know that not only the music, but that entire game so influential to pretty much every game of its <laughs> kind that came afterwards, but, you know, Koji Kondo really sort of established the framework of what video game music as an aesthetic can sound like, and I think right. this piece captures it, you know, not just in the, I, I think the obvious thing to listen to in it is the the harmonies that obviously those kind of great Nintendo-y cadences and that B section, it, it very much feels like it's, it's using... Um, pre-existing Nintendo stuff almost as like mm -hmm. a formula. Um, it, it's really cool. It's beautiful Japanese, um, but also just in terms of the quality of the melody, how simple it is, how it it retains that main melodic nugget and alters it every you know every subsequent iteration of the phrase. Dun 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 dun. dun sure. Dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, that's but then so also effective. the rhythms. You have those Latin rhythms that if that doesn't feel like Mario, I don't know what else does. Um, but I agree with you. I think I've it's definitely great. played at least one Bust a Move game before. It's like one of those tile matching games. It came out on so many platforms. There may have even been like a a stripped down like TI eighty three version of Bust a Move that I may have played at some point. Um, but yeah, uh, let's move on. Oh, before we move on, let's give a couple of honorable mentions of puzzle games that didn't make the cut today. Uh, the Bejeweled series, I took a listen to it and it was really close. There's some cool stuff uh, that didn't quite make the cut today. We've, we've played stuff before from, Can from the Candy Crush series. That's another honorable mention. Right, right. Uh, let's see what else we have. The, the original Lost Vikings for the SNES. Uh, seventh Guest, the P classic PC game. I know there's cool stuff there. Uh, didn't quite make the cut. Um, 
yeah, a lot of a lot of other good stuff. Pipe Dream, one of my favorite puzzle games, actually. The version I played on the old PC didn't have any music. It was called Pipe Dream. Really, remember great, there's some good game. music in the NES uh, version of Minesweeper. Well, actually, you might be thinking of the Game Boy version, which we are going to feature today. So, oh, maybe that is what I'm thinking. Spoiler of. alert! All right, let's move on. We're going to move on to a series that, as soon as we had this idea, we knew that we had to feature uh, a track from the series. We're actually featuring two today. Professor Layton. This is the first game, Professor Layton in the Curious Village. Well, and I almost feel like this is a series. It would be fun to do a spotlight on. Oh sometime. my gosh! I absolutely. It's such a great series musically. Um, we're going to play a track from this first game that we've never played. It's called Mysterious Girl, and it was composed by series composer. Tomohito Nishiura. Let's take a listen to Mysterious Girl. stuff you guys are listening to mysterious girl this comes to us from professor layton in the curious village which came out for the nintendo ds wonderful game music of the series is just exquisite and we are committing right now that we're going to have a focus on this later this season this is composed by tomohito nishiura this is beautiful stuff Gosh, I love the music from the Professor Layton series. We we really ought to do a spotlight on it um, because yeah. it, it's such a fantastic series and there's so much great music and we really haven't um, played much of it before. But, you know, what I so love about this piece and, you know, other tunes from uh, these games uh, are the kind of European jazz influences. I mean, most of the music sounds a lot like old French music. Accordion, I think, is the the biggest sort of characteristic I think of Professor Yeah, it's Layton. almost like half Japanese, half French, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine the, the Japanese influence is uh, inadvertent. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's so beautiful. And I, I think it also goes back to the idea that music for these puzzle games is brainy in nature you know sure. it needs to stimulate the mind in in some level and that's what the professor layton games seem like to me and this music is always very calming it's very relaxing it's so and it's, perfect there's a there's a sophistication to it there's a kind of a mysterious quality i think to a lot of that french music and the accordion has it and 
almost like a sensual nature to uh, just a lot of great character. But yeah, very. I think what's doubly impressive is it's like okay, the the first goal is to match the experience and the tone, which he definitely does. But then to create something that you can just listen to aside from the experience and still enjoy it, it's you can't beat well, that. Yeah, and this piece is so relaxing. It it very much fits well into the background. It it almost reminds yeah. me of something. Not musically, but just kind of like tone wise and in terms of, you know, tempo and form and rhythm and everything, like something you'd get in like an Animal Crossing mm, game. Yeah. You know, that's just very sparse and minimal. I believe the only, this is the only game that we've ever featured on the podcast before, not this track, but other tracks from this first game. So I'm excited that later on today's playlist, we're going to feature a, another game in the series. And yeah, it's it's going to be fun to go well, back. Something I, I want to talk about is the genre itself you know today's episode is focusing on puzzle games but i want to talk about really what's the role of music in puzzle games versus other types of games i mean i think video games as a medium are unique because i would say a majority of titles i think at least the ones that are most famous tend to be historically action based games because you're right that's what's fun about games is the idea that you can sort of embody another person and do these actions and things that you couldn't do in real life but i really think other than action games the other most popular subgenre of video games would be puzzle games i mean you think particularly um especially ever since sort of the mobile era uh the biggest apps the biggest you know mobile games tend to be angry birds your candy crushers exactly well i guess angry birds is kind of a puzzle game uh not so much oh, it's I mean, totally i think it's totally candy a crush game. is definitely more you know through and through i would think most people would consider that a puzzle game i would say overall the the role of music in puzzle games is is something that needs to propel your or kind of get your brain going it's almost like it has has to exercise right. your brain in a way that you know all the elements of the game do you know so you, you think of a lot of uh video game soundtracks maybe that we're not going to play today that might have more ambient music that is is something that really kind of gets the senses going and i think overall that is probably the the focus maybe not so much in like the 16-bit era but when i think about uh uh, most of the eras of puzzle game music it's something that is just kind of trying to get your brain active i would say well i think the other thing a composer has much more freedom when working in in puzzle games because there's no sense of needing to underscore specific action the music is completely background um i guess foreground if you will and it just plays continuously. And so I think there's a lot of freedom to a composer to kind of um, extrapolate upon their ideas. And I think sometimes in puzzle games, to me at least, I think of music that tends to be maybe a little bit longer form. Because sure. the puzzle games, typically, you play it for as long as you want, as long as you're And if able. you're good at it, you're going to play it for hours and hours. Yeah. The last thing I'll say musically is there does appear to be this tradition of... Uh, a lot of games featuring uh, pieces of licensed music, like hearkening to a sure. piece of classical music or something. That That is very popular for puzzle games. Well, we'll talk about this more uh, yeah. throughout the episode, but it's just something I want to keep in mind that, you know, we're not just dissecting the music here. We're not just talking about its relation to other games, but in this genre specifically, you know, the function of the music. To yeah, the let's games. try to maybe... F- Focus on how it's unique. Well, let's move on. We're going to go back to the Genesis to a game, Columns 3, Revenge of Columns. I think that's a really funny title for this game. No rows allowed, (laughs) only columns. The composer here is Morihiko Akiyama. Let's take a listen to Column Dive. 
very interesting, jazzy, catchy piece of music here. Column Dive from Columns 3, Revenge of Columns. Don't get those columns pissed. You will regret it. This is a Genesis game composed by Morihiko Akiyama. Yeah, this actually is a track that, to me, I'm not hearing maybe as much that differentiates it as puzzle music. It kind of seems like something that could fit in a lot of other Genesis games. Well, that's the other thing that's interesting about video games is as much as you want to talk about the specific role of the music and its function in games, the thing that's cool about games, but, you know, could maybe be criticized by um, some is the idea that there's almost this collective culture, this like ethos behind the music of games in general, almost first and foremost. You know, this sounds like a great video game music piece. If you didn't know it was from a puzzle game, uh, you wouldn't necessarily attach it to this genre just by the music alone. Though I do think the music is quite fantastic and probably works wonderful in this context. I think, you know, games, games are kind of an interesting medium and they're still so new. And I think we're going to continue to explore the best ways to score them musically. And I think there've been a lot of creative and wonderful uh, examples of game music in the past, but I think we're going to continue, I think in our lifetimes to to expand sort of the boundaries of what the role of music is. Well, in general, I think something that's true today, and it's true a lot of times when we have these multi-generational topics, is that there are examples uh, today that are very unique and novel and are specifically puzzle music, and we'll talk about those. But it's always fun to have a track like this where this is just feel-good Genesis, like jazzy So let's talk about the the song. This melody, the way that the melody starts is quite unique. What do you think? Yeah, I I think so too. I I think you mentioned, you described it as catchy, and I think part of that has to do with the specific... Uh, pitches it's it's landing on and holding on in their dissonance with the chord or what kind of jazzy ninth or seventh chord they imply. Um, but I like think- Will. What do you what are your thoughts on like this this series of notes? Isn't that there's something really unique about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I do think it's about uh, the notes that it's choosing to hold on. Um, sure. And I think there's the rhythmic element to it that's catchy. But to the biggest part to me is the form. It's the repetition. It's the amount of that phrase that gets repeated. And it does this great uh, kind of classic melodic move where you have sort of a basic framework and, you know, the end of the first half, it goes down and the end of the second half, it goes up or vice versa. That happens all the time in a melody where the basic uh, structure of it is the same, but the ending is a little altered. And it's funny, it carries over. That same technique is also used in the B section um, you with a little bit more of a truncated melody, but, you know, the same like melodic sequence is played in the first time it goes down and the second time it goes you know what's so funny is you know i listening to this soundtrack and something about it felt familiar and in a good way and i looked into this composer and he also actually worked on another really good jazzy genesis soundtrack shinobi 3 return of the ninja master which i'm a huge fan of so it's cool to hear that uh that kind of makes sense to me because it kind of has a similar vibe both those soundtracks um let's move back to the nes this is you know just behind maybe tetris this is probably one of the most iconic definitely if you're talking about music here uh this theme is just a quintessential piece of puzzle game music it's fever from dr mario which again was worked on by hirakazu hip tanaka let's take a listen to the original nes version of fever enjoy (laughs) 
awesome stuff. You guys are listening to Fever, which is from Dr. Mario. This is the NES version. This game was also released the same year, uh, 1990, by the way, uh, for the Game Boy as well. Hirokazu Hiptanaka. It's crazy how many iconic themes he did in this 8-bit era. What's cool is I, I actually probably prefer the Super Nintendo version. We actually have a mix here. Let's, let's take and listen to quickly a few seconds of the SNES version, which came out a couple years later. <laughs> you gotta love anytime those monkeys are, are singing the melody, you know you're gonna have a good time. Well, you know what's interesting about uh, Nintendo music and something that I love so much, uh, and we talk about it with game music in general, but I think specifically with Nintendo, there's a set of musical influences that seems to be shared by these early Nintendo composers that's really influenced uh, their whole musical language even to this day. Uh, I mean, a lot of times we attribute it to Koji Kondo, but listening to a piece like this, I mean, I know it's the Mario series. Series, so that's what he's going for but what's so cool about these composers is they have an influence from popular music of the time of course uh, you know rock music music of the 70s and 80s uh, but also there's this wonderful love and reverence to vaudeville to Tin Pan Alley songwriters to old musical theater blues American kind of popular music forms from the past I think puzzle games is one of the genres where it's open season to have as many of those influences as possible right. because the whole game is supposed to be nothing but fun like over the top kind of like constant entertainment it's just right you know there's not a story there's not like character development all it is is just supposed to be colors and a lot of right. crazy things and, and, and that and that's why i think those vaudeville cliches make sense well i think this track is interesting in uh the perspective of it being a, a mario track because it's so simple but it captures enough of the mario spirit what's also interesting this game came out the same year as super mario brothers 3 in this right. piece has a lot of similarities to the kind of uh bonus not the bonus stage theme, but you know when the you baseline, like yeah. fight the um the boop 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 might be the boop, Hammer boop, Brothers theme, but then yeah, also the melody. Sure, this one goes. It is very similar. They're both capturing that same kind of bluesy, that kind of bluesy early rock and roll sort of thing. Uh, and I just think it's interesting you hear those influences not just with one composer, but through all of Nintendo music, and I think it comes down to the influences of those individuals and their choices. But that whole identity, I mean, we can already see not just in Nintendo, I mean, from playing that Busta Move track that those influences like osmosis have just sort of uh, permeated throughout uh, not just Nintendo, but all of game music. Well, this playlist has a nice um, variety in the order. And, and what's cool is now we're going to move on to a PC game. And when I think of puzzle games, you know, a huge subsection of that is going to be on the PC. And the first game in the series came out, Mist, and it was a really big deal. Uh, there were multiple games. We're going to play a track from the third game because that has probably, I would say, the most interesting soundtrack. This is Mist 3 Exile. Composed by uh, Jack Wall, who is known as kind of co-creating video games live, actually, with Tommy. So yeah, Jack Wall composed this soundtrack. Let's take a listen to the main theme here from Mist 3 Exile.
guys are listening to the main theme from Mist 3 Exile, composed by Jack Wall. It's funny, is uh, so different from the music that we've played so far today on the playlist. Um, this reminds me of modern video game music. Uh, definitely, there's a lot of PC games that have a similar musical tone to this. What's interesting is if you compare this to Mist 1, I mean, Mist 1, I don't think there was even a melody. in. It was like almost all ambient, I believe. I have a memory of it being silent for some reason. I don't know why, but Mist 2 had a little bit more musical interest. And then this is definitely, you know, Jack Wall kind of went all out. Like so far in the series, this this was definitely, um, you know, musically the most riveting thing that had happened. I, I think the game itself was a little bit more like intense too, but it's still still a puzzle game. Well, it's funny, this, this theme really reminds me of something that you get in like an RTS game. Some kind of big epic strategy thing or a modern action thing, but there's like a sense of uh, barbarism to it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's using the orchestra in such an epic in um, dramatic declamatory way yep. that it feels like it's underscoring some kind of more primitive ancient battle. What's interesting is I, I played the original Mist on, on the PC. I think it came out in like the mid 90s and at the time it was exciting but I even, you know, even in that time in you know the standards of 1995 or whatever and it was, I remember getting kind of bored with the fact that it wasn't really moving like you would click on something Thing, and then it would show you a zoomed in image of that room and then you'd click on the dresser and then it would show you a zoomed in image of that dresser and then it it was a good method because the games were able to be fairly small in size and they were able to you know have them really long and big but I just remember even at the time kind of realizing that something about it kind of felt like oh this is kind of a scam it's not I'm not really in that room um, but I think for most people it definitely worked well and it's a good track for us today on this episode because it, it gives us some diversity i'm excited to move on to this next game this is a piece of music that i'm in love with we've played it before and it's this is one of those things like i knew i wanted to play a track from this game and i was like well i could play another track but this is so so clearly the best track and it's so wonderful that hey why not listen to a good piece of music again this is wario's woods which was a puzzle game that came out for the nes and it was composed by soyo oka probably one of the more obscure titles that that she worked on but she killed this soundtrack let's take a listen to the let's take a listen to a piece of music called go from wario's woods guaranteed to put a smile on my face this is go from wario's woods composed by soyo oka she's an absolute legend i can't get enough of her music so delightful i think uh this is a really good example of how efficient and economical quality nes music really was you know every single note is carefully placed and there's really no fat here at all it's all just really trim and there's no moment when there's anything extraneous it's all exactly where it needs to be it doesn't sound like it's limited though you know it feels imaginative because the melody is is very 
well composed and very plucky and jumps all over the place and it's an imaginative piece of music but I think that's especially impressive when you think about the the harsh limitations of this NES sound chip and this is one of those tracks where it kind of transcends that where when you listen to it you're just kind of I at least I am I'm kind of transported to this kind of sunny cloudy paradise I, I, I don't know it's just it's just a awesome piece of music well, and it's it's it has an incredible um, breadth of emotion for such a short loop and such a generally a happy character kind of piece. It it really is um, intricate. I mean, I love Soyooka's music. Mm-hmm. You know, this also talking about sort of quintessential Nintendo chord progressions, melodic type of things. This totally hits the spot for that. You know, something I was just thinking about. We talk a lot about that sort of descending chord progression, whether it's completely chromatic or um, whether it's a little bit more diatonic. What's so great about that progression, and I think one of the reasons it's used so much in early video game music, is because it's one of the most descriptive bass movements to imply a chord progression. Because you can really just have melody in bass, and it implies the entire chord movement and i mean i i think you can do that for a lot of progressions but without the other notes what's so great about the descending progression is every single note it lands on is a different scale degree so you start on the one and then you go down and now maybe you're accenting like the seventh of a chord and then you go down and now it sounds like you're voicing the third of a chord and then you know yeah that's so effective yeah Hey, Will, this might be a nice time to do a quick catch-up uh, to see what we've been up to this week since we're doing this uh, remotely. What have you been uh, up to this week? Well, you know, I've been getting settled back into, you know, going to university and taking classes and everything, uh, still composing a lot. You said that in a British way. I'm going to university. Well, uh, you know, I mean, this is an international show. I, I want to <laughs> uh, make our brothers and sisters across the pond uh, feel comfortable. No, Greetings uh, to all you Brits that are listening right now. But I'm... Uh, I was really fortunate, I know you were as well, to uh, to be featured on the OC podcast by our friends, the Kelly Brothers. Um, yeah, your episode such a, uh, came out, I think, last week. Yeah, it was, it was such a delight. You know, we talked about uh, kind of the history, the origins of the Mercado Brothers and my composing and talked a little bit about my new album, Axiom, but I had a wonderful conversation with Brian um, and it's just so much fun to get to talk to those guys again because, you know, we really miss them and it's it's a wonderful sort of friendship. So we've been brainstorming ideas to get all of us on this show. Yeah, we're going to get them back too soon. And what's interesting is I, um, separately from that, I was also on an episode of OC Remix. I think it's going to come out maybe next week or the week after. So individually, we were both um, interviewed on their podcast. So that's, that's going to be a fun thing for anyone who's maybe interested in hearing a little bit of backstory of both of us. You have two examples there. Another thing that we did is um, uh, we've been working on, uh, some of you may know, a podcast that we really enjoy is called If I Were You uh, with Jake and Amir, uh, the sort of comedy duo from College Humor. Uh, they have this wonderful advice podcast that Carl and I have been listening to. It's my to favorite podcast. Since it started. I, yeah, I love it. Uh, and they do an interesting thing where you know fans will write original theme songs for every episode and we've been lucky enough to have uh we've written two songs that have been you know theme songs played on um, on different episodes of that so and we want to do another one uh and so what we did is i i kind of wrote this uh eight bit 
underscore for it and it's this very kind of old school 1930s show tune kind of song it, it kind of sounds like a mario it's really and cool credits, we're gonna to play it honest, on a future but... original showcase for sure because you guys are gonna really get a kick but that was really it. fun to you know write and record uh, a song together and you know it has this video game influence but it's also sure. very different from a lot of the stuff we've done before yeah i'm excited because yesterday the uh, the cds arrived for uh all rise which is um the the funk band i'm in we're having a cd release show later this month so the cds arrived so that's always an exciting day that's great um, man. i also had a, in the past couple of days i've had just a lot of a lot of new students um contact me so i have a lot more students now which is always um keeping me busy you know teaching uh so yeah it's been a very busy but very music filled week so uh i think we should move on for the sake of time to fez uh comes to us from the wonderful disaster piece let's take a listen to adventure You guys are listening to Adventure from Fez, composed by Disaster Peace. And this is a perfect introduction to his musical style. If, if for some weird reason you're not familiar, he uses a lot of old school chip sounds, but he always kind of orchestrates them in a more modern way and in, in, in a subtle way. And, you know, you may listen to this track and say, oh, yeah, this is kind of subtle. This is kind of restrained. But this is by far the most exciting and melodic track in the game. So just imagine how kind of ambient and modern this soundtrack gets. Like, I wanted to play this track because I think it's, it's you know, very memorable but oh, and emotional. It's so wonderful. But a lot of the music is is very ambient in in a really musical way. Yeah, I I love this piece. I think it's it's such a catchy ostinato and kind of groove that's created. Um, it's very memorable and it's very emotional. You know, the chords here really kind of tug at your heartstrings. There's it's this great. like longing melancholy a little bit uh, to it. And, and it's I think lush. Those those longer hits, I don't know if you'd really call that the melody. To me, the main melodic character are those moving arpeggios. Um, but those sort of long tones um, really are carefully chosen and really do... You know, it almost reminds me a little bit of kind of like the score to like the social network or sure. something. Like a Trent Reznor kind of a thing where a lot of it is very ambient and it uses more modern like digital sounds. But at the same time, there's this really beautiful 
emotional simplicity to it. And yeah. this track kind of reminds me of that just in terms of those long tones and kind of having these open intervals that it's going to. It's just really beautiful, very memorable, you know? Yeah, I love Disaster Piece. I've always had an affinity to his his music. It's There's something so emotional. Like, it's definitely the most emotional modern chip music that that is that exists. Like, no one else is making chip music this emotional. I don't know. It's just he takes his music so serious and and i mean he does a lot of stuff that's not chip too i mean he he's he's a a lot more diverse of a composer than i think some people uh think because i think he does get kind of put in a box of oh yeah he's the guy who does the chip tunes right but he does a lot more than that um i'm really excited to now move on to this week's track of the week This comes to us from Yoshi's Safari, which is a game for the Super Nintendo that was first uh, discovered, at least on this podcast, by Will. He brought in uh, this track on a show and tell, and it was so wonderful that um, it really made an impression, and we wanted to include it today. This is composed by Yasushi Tokunaga. Let's take a listen to High Score. beautiful you guys are listening to high score from yoshi's safari which is a puzzle game for the super nintendo and the composer here we actually have multiple composers so joining yasushi tokunaga we also have yoshiki nishimura those are the composers that worked on this and uh yeah i think you know as soon as you first played this on the show and tell it was one it is like wow this is like a classic mario lullaby why is this just in this obscure yoshi puzzle game but that's what's so great about video game music is sometimes the best melodies come from the most unlikely place right. and we've definitely experienced that every every time we prepare for a show and tell there's always some obscure hidden gem like this diamond in the rough and this is the definition of a diamond in the rough right here well i i think the thing is uh this game, you know, being a puzzle game, and, and there's sort of a tradition of uh, Yoshi puzzle games. You think of Yoshi and Yoshi's Cookie on NES. Um, and so there is obviously this great Nintendo tradition, and I think these composers were attempting to rise to the challenge of writing something that felt like Koji Kondo. In general, what's interesting about this, though, majority of the score, I think, is very forgettable and not all that fantastic. I know, yet, right? This is one of the great... Nintendo themes. It's so beautiful. It's so simple. Can I talk about one very, evocative. Um, very nerdy technical thing that I really love about this? I mean, I know that you've talked before on that Show and Tell episode about how amazing the melody is, and I totally agree, but one thing that I think is really effective, uh, okay, this is a music box sample, or like maybe a Fender Rhodes sample, right, on the SNES. What's so great is they do vibrato on every single note when it's sustained after a certain uh, length. And that's obviously not authentic to that mallet instrument. A keyboard instrument doesn't have vibrato. But I think in this case, it makes it more pleasing. And I think it was a really good choice for them to add vibrato to this keyboard instrument. 
Well, I mean, that's just kind of, again, that's kind of the cool tradition of chip-based video game music where, yes, you're trying to evoke a specific timbre, but also you tend to need to give pitches vibrato, otherwise they sound almost stale kind of by themselves just because of the primitive nature of the synths but yeah this is just absolutely one of my favorites it's it's so gorgeous everything about it and and i also love how short it is i like a piece that gets through its whole form and leaves a really lasting melodic impression it's ultra this was very influential to me for some of the music that uh we did in hello world i can hear that Uh, but i i if i don't remember if i discovered this after dear mario or before but there's a piece in there that's kind of uh, similar, um, but it might have just been a coincidence. Well, let's move on to um, this was actually a suggestion that was given to me recently by Steven. Uh, he suggested I look into the Mr. Driller series, and specifically this game for the GameCube, Mr. Driller Drill Land. And man, I'm glad I did. It's composed by Go Sheena, and it's a composer that I featured before on a show and tell. Uh, done some great stuff as of late. But yeah, Mr. Driller Drill Land. Really quirky soundtrack. Really weird combination in this particular piece of music. Uh, this track is The Dragon's Feed is the People. A little bit of a mistranslation there, but it's this really weird combination of kind of like classical violin mixed with like, I guess, funk or fusion or I really don't even know all the things <laughs> that make up this track, but it, it's pretty interesting. Let's take a listen to this track from Mr. Driller Drill Land. Oh my god. Amazing. You guys are listening to The Dragon's Feed is the People, composed by Go Sheena. What a incredibly unique... I will say this is one of the most unique pieces of music we've played 
in a long time. I, I I will not forget this piece for a long time. This is from Mr. Driller Drill Land. It's so surprising. You know, it starts off. Yeah, this is just you great. think, oh, it's like a little bit maybe Asiatic. It's kind of ambient. Oh, the violins come in. That's kind of interesting. And then the funk comes in, the slap bass and the drums, and then it cuts out, goes back to the violins, and you definitely, at least me, I wasn't expecting it to come full circle where like that beautiful folk melody is like continued with the funk instrument i i just it's so good yeah absolutely this is such a beautiful track i mean every aspect about it i think the arrangement is incredibly novel and borrowing from all sorts of different influences uh but just the raw musical material is so strong the melody is really powerful very catchy um, the, the chords are, are wonderful. Yeah, this is such a great uh, discovery. I, I really think this will be the big takeaway to me of this episode. This and yeah. that Professor Layton thing are things that I hadn't heard before that really pack quite the punch. Whew. Yeah, so I got to thank Stephen again for <laughs> your wonderful suggestion. Go Sheena. Check this composer out. He knows his stuff. All right, let's move on to Lemmings 2. Uh, this is Lemmings 2, The Tribes, which came out for SNES and Genesis. I prefer the Genesis version because it was worked on by our friend Matt Furness. He composed a great soundtrack. Let's take a listen to Sports. <laughs> Fun fact, the SNES version of Lemmings 2 was one of the examples used in our carnival cliché montage, in our cliché episode. Um, so yeah, there's, there's you know, a lot of examples, as we've said before, of using pre-existing music in these puzzle games. Like, this is a good example of 16-bit puzzle music. It's just like 100% colorful, 100% imaginative, very animated Good, good background music for, you know, trying to get all those blocks or in this case, the lemmings, you know, trying to get all those lemmings to follow you. Uh, this is it's pretty effective. Yeah, I think uh, it, it really establishes kind of a fun atmosphere. I think that establishes that kind of um, underlying emotional tone that it's very plucky and light and fun. And I think the chords and melody give a little bit of the emotional weight. You know, not too much. It's still very light and silly, but it doesn't necessarily feel super, like, campy or tongue-in-cheek because, yeah. again, it has that sort of more slightly emotional chord progression. Lemmings is one of my um, favorite puzzle series to play. I, these games are so fun, you know, just trying to guide all the lemmings to the exit. 
Uh, it's just it was a brilliant mechanic, and it's one of those things where once you come up with the idea for the game, it's so fun that you can just bank on it and just you know make new entries with maybe updated graphics or different obstacles or different gimmicks. But you know that you're gonna just almost if you're a fan of Lemmings, you're gonna it doesn't really matter which game you play in some way. So well, to me, this is also another example of music that just sounds like video game music it does <laughs> you know it does all right well now we're going to move on to a really fun track uh we d- we're not featuring a track from the first portal which is a very popular modern example of a puzzle game but we do have to play something from portal 2 uh this is a song we've played before it's so wonderful it's one of the songs that was composed by songwriter jonathan colton and he uh got a lot of praise for his song from the first portal game still alive so they brought him back to write the ending song to portal 2 which is called want you gone it's so good it's arguably better it's it's just a wonderful and hilarious just the humor of hearing the those robots that robot voice you know singing such a beautiful and well-written like pop song is there's so much charm to it and it's that kind of thing that you and i've talked about where music almost gets elevated when it's really good but it almost seems like it's being thrown away it's used as a joke but the joke only works when the music is really absolutely good. so this is performed here by ellen mclean let's take a listen to want you gone <laughs> Remember when you tried to kill me twice? Oh, how we laughed and laughed, except I wasn't laughing Under the circumstances, I've been shockingly nice You want your freedom taken That's what I'm counting song in every way it's like has a beautiful melody it's hilarious great harmonies wonderful borrowed chords this is just like almost like an adam schlesinger level of pop yeah, song here absolutely um, this is want really you gone good. performed by ellen mclean what's so great is you might be wondering like why does it sound so good like even like her vibrato and everything i think that helps because she's an opera singer as well as a very prolific voice actress so ellen mclean has pipes like without this auto-tune so that's well <laughs> this this verse melody i uh, i'm just so obsessed with it it does sort of one of my favorite things uh that a melody can do which i describe it as sort of being ignorant to the chord progression it's so simple if you try to forget the the harmony that's happening it's completely major it's completely diatonic sure. and happy and sweet but it's 
over this devious chord progression that creates that a lot of these dissonances. If you were to play it on the piano, what's happening in the accompaniment is in direct clash with what's being sung in the melody. But there's this beautiful tension that's created there. Well, you know what's so great additionally to that is since he got so much praise for the first game, he was writing this for that character to sing in this voice. So you can have a dissonant in a comp in kind of like a weird melody and it's going to sound perfect because every note is 100% perfectly in pitch. The other thing is like how minimal the accompaniment is. You get the implied chords with really not a lot of chords. It's just that sure. one like... Dun, 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 dun. Da, 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 da. It's it's so simple. Every part of it is simple, but yet when they're put together, there's this beautiful juxtaposition. It almost sounds like a great like Alan Menken. Yeah, it's just kind a of brilliant melody. Song. It's so emotional. I I adore it. Yeah, this guy's an amazing songwriter, Jonathan Colton. Nice job. Highlight Jonathan. of the day for me. Anytime we get to listen to that those Portal songs. Let's move on to a game that was also on the top of the list as soon as we thought about it immediately. Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Uh, there's a fun fact, fun piece of trivia about this piece of music that we'll share after we play it, but this is Password Entry. Here we go. listening to password entry from dr robotnik's mean bean machine and this was composed by ainosuke nagao as well as matsunobu tsukamoto and what's interesting about this track is i've realized i found out later that this was originally this piece of music was originally used in the first puyo puyo game by these same composers they worked on that game as well so they reused it here uh maybe kind of secretly as the password entry theme for this game that's interesting how stuff like that happens uh you know where composers will reuse themes i mean i imagine with uh the game music situation it's just maybe that they ran out of time or maybe they really liked a particular track they used in a game and the game didn't sell well or they sure. didn't feel like it was utilized well enough i think it's cool um, because like some of the music in this game is not amazing so that's why i think it's like maybe it's like okay well at least we're gonna have this track that we know is good the other thing that i think is funny though is that you could never get away with that now. I know, like, right? There, the copyrights and everything, there, there's there's so much legality behind how everything has to work. Because it's almost like people weren't paying attention as much back then right. or something. Yeah, no one was really checking or, or no one really cared. You know, no, I don't yeah. think people thought of the music as this, you know, trademarked entity that couldn't be taken from one thing to another. And I think a lot of... Yeah, it was just like it wasn't something that people were thinking about. And that's what's so cool about video game music is that it, especially back then, it was kind of like the old west, this sort of yeah. lawless environment where 
you know, the, the art that you're creating has huge cultural implications and it can become very popular, but yeah, it's not very regulated or controlled and there's not big budgets and there wasn't anyone telling you you can't do this thing, you know, right. Exciting, exciting time. Well guys, we're going to play one more track from the professor Layton series. Let's move on to professor Layton in the last specter. Beautiful track here. I believe the main theme of the game, it's called Theme of the Devil's Flute, once again by Nishiura. And this is so beautiful. We actually have real performance here. Let's take a listen. amazing you guys are listening to theme of the devil's flute from professor layton in the last specter this was composed by tomohito nishiura and yeah i mean we've come a long way from the (laughs) track we played from curious village uh it's crazy that this is the same series and this is yet another reason why we really want to focus on uh this soundtrack because this is just amazing What's so special to me about this track, you know, when I think of the Professor Layton series, I think of the sort of small ensemble European jazz. You know, it sounds very French. There's always an accordion in, you know, it it almost sounds like music from maybe the 20s or something. But what's so beautiful to me about this piece is it, it starts off giving you that impression. You get all the things that to me characterize this series musically. Yet yeah. that beautiful, lush orchestral B section kind of comes out of nowhere in terms of its context in this series. And it's so gorgeous, and it, it's sort of the combination of, um, you know, the European maybe musical influences of these series, but the kind of beautiful Japanese video game music tradition as well. It's so it's good. It's wonderful performance, a beautiful melody, just fantastic. Again, yeah, we have to spotlight on this series. All right, well, let's move on to what Will was alluding to before. This is uh, the Game Boy version, <laughs> sounds kind of silly to me, of Minesweeper. When I think of Minesweeper, 
it feels like the definitive version was on the old Windows 3.1 computer, right? That was, I feel like, when everyone that I knew played, that's where we played Minesweeper. But anyway, there's a Game Boy version, and it had a piece of music that sounds nothing like Minesweeper. This is the in-game music while you're playing Minesweeper. Unknown composer, here we go. listening to obviously minesweeper music this sounds so minesweepery doesn't it will (laughs) (laughs) yeah just positive uplifting you know we're kind of like mine so you don't get funny how we're eating our words of what we said before where it's like oh some of this music is so distinctly puzzle themed this could not be more to be honest inappropriate like this doesn't seem i mean it's fun and maybe it's like fun to listen to while you're playing minesweeper but it's great video game music it's really plucky and uplifting and bluesy again kind of nintendo-y i I guess i would just maybe (laughs) submit that it doesn't fit the tone but how would you score minesweeper i I don't think you should i I don't think there needs to be music in minesweeper i don't know I don't, maybe I, I shouldn't say that as a fan of music. The thing is, though, I, I think the idea is, like, you're playing a game on a Game Boy, you're probably pretty disappointed that your aunt, your grandma, or whoever bought you Minesweeper, you know, of all the great Game Boy games. <gasps> oh, you're so disappointed. Let's be so, honest. So, you know, this music needs to kind of try to lull you into some sense that, like, hey, no, it's okay, you're still having fun, you're not just playing Minesweeper. You're so excited for, like, Wario Land 3, and then you open it up and, yeah. oh, grandma, th- thanks. Right. Probably bought it for like five dollars. Minesweeper. That's that's a boring Game Boy game right there. Speaking of the old Windows classic kind of Microsoft games that I used to play, this is another one, and this is pure nostalgia here. The only reason I'm playing this today, Chips Challenge. I played this game ad nauseum on my old PC, old Windows game here. Had really kind of campy mid 90s midi music um but something about it 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 just really pulls at my nostalgia here so let's take a listen to theme two composed by alex rudis and bob vieira from chips challenge Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Theme 2 from Chip's Challenge. This one makes me smile. It's very silly. I think one of the funny things about this one is the bass line. It's just that constant like arpeggioing. I mean, I like a walking bass line as much as the next guy. I don't think this is walking. That's that's leaping. That's like hopping at the sonic speed. It's a hopping bass line. Have you guys ever heard a hopping bass line? Well, now you can say you have. Yeah, no, this was just kind of a silly choice for this playlist. I think a lot of you out there though grew up also playing chips challenge i can only assume so um yeah not much we need to say about that let's move on to the last track of the day wouldn't it be sad if that was the last thing we played no (laughs) yeah that would that'd be terrible this is well that's our episode (laughs) this is a cool arcade game uh this is there's a few different uh titles that it's known by one of the titles it's known by is pang p-a-n-g and another title it's known by is buster bros that's the title i'm familiar with yeah buster brothers so this was composed by a really talented arcade composer we featured before yeah back in the 80s and 90s everything was brothers uh i I think it's it's really kind of a cheap hack to name your game or franchise something something brothers i mean you know you're just copying super mario bros so the composer is uh tamayo kawamoto and let's take a listen to australia from buster brothers Thank you guys so much for joining us as we explore the music of puzzle games. Some of them unique to this genre, some of them most certainly not, but all of them enjoyable. We had a great time. It's nice to be back with a normal episode for you guys this week. Hopefully you missed us. Once again, you guys are listening to Australia from Buster Bros, and we want to just give a quick shout out. We played in with a track from Puyo Puyo 2. We're going to play out with another track from that game, Area B, which is really cool. So stick around and listen to that for the play out. couple things to plug here before we let you go. You can um, like us on Facebook. Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube and iTunes as well as leaving us a review on iTunes. Our website is supermarcadobros.com. You can find all of our episodes of the podcast and our original music. We just uploaded uh, another Mercado mixtape to our YouTube channel uh, from episode 92, which is dance music. So we're going to be doing that every once in a while. But thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody. This was a this was really fun. And Carl, I'm excited to sort of get back into the flow of things. Yeah, man. Another thing I want to mention, uh, you guys should definitely listen to the OC podcast just in general, the Overclock yes, podcast. It's good. Uh, hosted by uh, the Kelly Brothers. Um, it's fun and also you know yeah carl and i both kind of had episodes about our music hopefully carl's is out by the time you're listening but if not it'll be out next week it'll be soon yeah and then also in addition to that uh the past couple months i've contributed a couple different segments also called you did those root note root note yeah those are a lot of fun too so i'll probably do another one in the near future too so all right guys we got to get going this is kind of a long ep uh we'll be back with you next week my name is carl brueggemann and i'm his brother will brueggemann have a great week everyone peace out (laughs) 